Welcome back to another episode of the B2B Founder Podcast, where we help founders and business owners grow their companies from zero to 10 million. I'm your host, Brett Trainer. Gav Gillibrand joins the discussion today. He's a former stripper turned fitness and nutrition coach and author who now has over 35,000 followers on LinkedIn, which is absolutely astounding. We talked about how he was able to build that following on LinkedIn and how you can apply this to your business today. I believe LinkedIn is still one of the best untapped revenue sources for B2B companies. We also chat about his no BS approach to weight loss and being the best version of yourself. And this was a really and highly entertaining conversation. We also talk about an episode on the dating game back in the UK. So we covered everything, but I think there's a lot of really good insights and applications, some of the things he's done that you can apply to your business today. So at the end of this, please make sure you visit our website where you can find the show notes plus the links mentioned with Gab. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe so you're always the first to know when a new episode is released. Now, let's get the interview started. Hey, Gav, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Brett, glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. No, absolute pleasure. I love guests that we can take on a dual topic, which we'll get to in a minute. We'll tease this in the intro. But to get us started, why don't you give the audience just a little bit about your background and what you're working on today, and then I got a bunch of questions for you. <laughs> sure. Well, obviously, I'm, I'm full-time in health and fitness, and my, my clients are typically stressed out businessmen and women, typically with a couple of kids have tried many things before, specifically around losing weight, changing their health for the better. And my whole message on social media is really to cut through the bullshit, give them the truth, because there's a lot of myths that have been perpetuated by the media, celebrities, and even certain personal trainers in the industry. So my, my whole idea is to try and get people to almost get rid of 97% of what they don't need and get them to focus on two or 3% of things that are massively gonna move the needle forward, gets results, still allows them to have a life, still allows them to eat carbohydrates, have a few drinks if they want, and, and get great results. So that's kind of where I am now. Background, do you want me to go way, how far do you want me to go back? Brad? You can go back, because I've got some questions about the way back as well, so. <laughs> All right, so you know, you know what I used to do back in the day. I do, okay, and so, your celebrity uh, moment on TV, we'll, we'll have to touch yeah, on that. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that, where it all started. That was actually the, the sort of the, it was a key factor in what I did for 16, 17 years before I got fully into fitness and nutrition. So to go back to 14 or 15, I was always into sport, I was obsessed by any game, any anything with a ball, anything with a racket, running, you, you know, I was into all sports, everything. And when I got to 15 and they do work experience over in the UK, we would go into like, typically someone would go into a bank or an insurance company or a typical place of business. Typical for a internships, week. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just for a week to see if you liked it. And I, I said to, I just discovered bodybuilding. This is like 1988, 89, reading the magazines these muscle guys is thinking I wouldn't mind working in a gym if that was a thing so I actually went and worked at this gym for a couple of days and saw this step aerobics had just arrived in the UK oh, yeah. dating ourselves a little bit but yeah <laughs> yeah I am yeah back in the late 80s we're about five or ten years behind you guys in the US but it was over and I saw this guy and he was really tall good looking uh, had a ponytail and was wearing a leotard. Bear in mind, this was 1988-89. So we'll let him off. We'll allow him out. And I saw him taking this step class, this step routine. There was about 30 women literally eating out of the palm of his hand. And I remember saying to myself, that's who I want to be, minus the ponytail and, and the leotard, of course. The long story short, at the same time, Madonna was famously coming over to America from US to the UK, and she was seen jogging around Hyde Park two of these big burly bouncer stroke P PT guys on the back of their t-shirts that said personal trainer. And I remember thinking, personal trainer to someone like Madonna, that sounds like a cool job. Because I was thinking, well, obviously they're from America, they're traveling with her, she's over here for three months, they're great hotels, awesome money. So I thought, is that a thing? So that was what I wanted <laughs> to be. I, 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 I wanna be a personal trainer to the stars. 
whatever that meant. So in between doing my exams and going to university, I took a year off and worked in a local gym just as a gym instructor, get a bit of experience. And this is when it all changed. Um, I actually saw this audition on the staff notice board and it was audition for blind date and back in this is 93 now back then this was the closest thing that we had to reality tv you know the car crash tv that we have now unfortunately yeah. if i'd been if i was 20 now i'd be one of those guys that would go on those shows i hold my hand up but this is 1993 <laughs> full and transparency full transparency and the, the premise of the show was there'd be three guys behind a screen and there'd be one girl would then pick would ask three questions and they would pick the guy that she wanted to go on this date this blind date and um, back then this was like prime time saturday night tv 18 19 million which for the uk was a lot everyone watched blind date so i went for this audition i got to the audition i thought how can i ensure that i get on and this is a true story i remember it clear as day i thought what's the best way of getting on this show so i I told a small white lie. I told the uh, or the guy doing the audition, it was a girl, that I was a stripper. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But there's reasons, there's a method behind the madness. About four weeks before that audition, I'd actually been to an audition to become a male stripper, become like, I think you guys call it a, like a bachelorette party, you know, where the woman's getting married and she's in a club or a restaurant or a bar. Yeah. You'd turn up and do like five, 10 minutes in a costume fireman or, you know, NYPD or officer and a gentleman type costume, dance around, get paid a load of money out the door. So I'd been to an audition, hadn't done my first gig. So when I told the people at Blind Date I was a stripper, it was kind of a, a half a white lie, but I wasn't hurting anyone. So I sailed through three auditions, went on the show, got picked by, um, Sally from Bournemouth, Sally from Bournemouth, if you ever um, watching this or listening to this, I came out of the show and this was a couple of weeks before I was about to go to university. Did my degree in sports and exercise, still with a view of getting into fitness, nutrition full time. In the meantime, I'd started working part time doing this job on the weekends, like, you know, doing four or five gigs on a weekend, thinking there's something to this. This is great fun. It's cash in hand. I'm like a minor, very zealous celebrity. Right. <laughs> very minor. I thought there's something to this. True story. On two weeks before I was about to graduate, a friend of mine who, in the meantime, I was doing my degree. This is the end of three years. He'd taken over my job of doing these strippograms, you know, bachelorette parties. And he called me up. He'd been working with UK's equivalent to the Chippendales. And he said, Gav, we've got this tour coming up and we need an extra guy. It's a 12-week tour all over Europe. We're starting off in Belgium. It's going to be great money, stadiums. It's going to be everything you thought. I said, but, I, you know, I've got to start and finish my dissertation. I've got a 10,000-word project to hand in in literally two weeks. Well, not, not hand in. I had to start it. I hadn't started it. <laughs> yeah. I said, when do you need to know? He said, today. I went, okay, I'm in. And that was it. Dropped the degree. And I, mum and dad, I apologize. Maybe I'll go back and do that degree or finish that degree. So I left with like a bog standard degree. I didn't get honors. I didn't have my dissertation. In. And although that tour didn't become anything, it fell, it fell through after 10, 11 days. And we didn't even get paid. <laughs> but that was the start of, so I would have been age 22. That was the start of a full-time career in that industry until age 37. And I moved moved to London at 37. In the meantime, I was working on my fitness qualifications, more nutrition. I had a couple of part-time PT clients on the side, with always with a view to when I stopped that, I could get straight back into what I was originally meant to do when I did my degree. So that, that was my story. That was my transition. 17 years in the, the world of stripping and entertainment and into the world that I'm in right now. Yeah, and that's awesome. And there was a purpose for me having you tell that story because I think the the entrepreneurial journey, they're so unpredictable. And right, the folks that I have on this call, most of them don't have the, here's the job, straight into startup world. You know, I'm, I'm curious too, thinking about from your TV appearance, was that calculated that you think, hey, this is going to help me gain exposure? And then 
or was it just, hey, that sounded like a lot of fun, and, and in hindsight, it, it worked out that it, you know, drove some, or did it not get you what you thought you were going to get? Absolutely. I mean, I'll, I'll be completely honest. At age 18, I was totally cockiest. I was probably overconfident, a bit cocky. I was probably too confident, and going on that was just a stepping stone. So one way or another, I knew that I was going to I wanted to get into entertainment and throughout the whole of the years I was working in that stripping industry, I was still auditioning. I was still doing little bits of theater, small bits of TV, small walk with a view to potentially being something a lot bigger. And when that didn't happen, that's when I had to quit. I moved to London and got on to personal training full time. Right. And that, that's what's interesting because part of what drew me to your story originally was and we'll get to it in a minute, is that you've got 35,000 followers on LinkedIn as a personal trainer. And there's more to the business than that, but it's the way we're going. So we'll, we'll dig into the LinkedIn in a second because I'm super curious, but kind of the journey and how your business model changed, right? Is that sure. I thought about some of the, my journey, it's the same way, one-on-one, you work with folks, but not yeah. scalable. And I think at some point with your personal training business, you hit that mark, what's next? I'm just kind of curious how... You move from the one-on-one to think more one-to-many, and yeah, absolutely, it's a good point. And I was in uh, in the city of London, which I guess is the equivalent that financial square mile, the equivalent to, to uh, New York Wall Street, Liverpool Street, Bishopsgate, where all the big banks, all the hedge fund guys, all the lawyers, all the bankers, stressful environment. I was in a top studio doing 25 to 30 hours one-on-one with clients, getting paid very good money. But you're absolutely right. You're limited by hours in the day and what you can charge per hour. So you're working effectively one hour, get paid for that. And that's great if you're in your early 20s. You've probably got 10 years doing that. And But you're capped. There's no scalability because right. if, you're, if you're sick, you don't get paid. If pandemic happens, which is obviously it's killed that industry a lot of my friends that are stuck in that industry so and I was always very entrepreneurial I was always thinking you know what's the next move I didn't want I didn't want to get a gym because I know that you effectively become a, a manager of the facility rather than being a trainer you right. know if the, if the if the bathroom breaks down you're the one that calls the plumber if the electricity turns off you've got a it's a lot of responsibility and you you move away from what you actually wanted to do which was to be a personal trainer and I'd started looking at an online option and whether that could be an option. And online training for me at the time felt like, well, if I'm charging this much for one-to-one online, because I've got no face-to-face with them, has got to be at least half less. So I was thinking that's not a good business model because right. although I was capped, I'd rather make more money working harder than less work money working less. The idea is to work less and then make more. So right. it wasn't working. <laughs> wasn't working for me anyway so I, I i started working with a coach i hold my hand out it was a, a coach and he mentioned linkedin and weirdly enough i'd been on linkedin for 10 years but i'd never been on it as in when i joined like when i got to london in 2008 everyone was saying get on linkedin i remember looking at my profile i didn't even have it on my phone i didn't know you could post he said have you thought about linkedin he said where are where are all the bankers lawyers, hedge fund guys, insurance guys, you know, what platform? Are they scrolling on Facebook or are they scrolling on Instagram or are they on LinkedIn? I said, and it was like a light bulb. I was like, oh my God, every one of my clients is on LinkedIn and they pretend they're a little bit better, but they're scrolling just as much because they're just as addicted to the internet as everyone else. That, 100%. You know, just because it's this professional platform. And then when I realized that it was one of the most amazing platforms B2B, you know, I, as in if you're selling on there, people are buying. There's no, it's just a, it's just a great platform. And here's the thing. There's a quick sidebar. I've been telling all my personal trainer friends get on LinkedIn, but you know what? It's not as sexy as the gram. Everyone True. loves the gram or TikTok now. <laughs> look, I've been telling them for years now. They still won't listen to me and I'm more than happy to stay where I am and they can stay where they are. That's fine by me. Anyway, I digress. So I worked with a coach, and he said, Gav, you need to get into coaching as opposed to one-to-one training. And I, it was three years ago this week, actually. It was the 1st of June, so just over a week ago. Three years ago, I left the gym t- exactly t- 10 years after when I moved to London, to the week. So I had 10 years full-time in the city, learning one-to-one, 
And three years ago this week, it's uncanny coincidence, I left the gym and I went from 30 hours a week to nothing. I went with no clients, but I knew that what I had and what I've learned about marketing and digital and LinkedIn was just popping off for me now. I think I had about 10 or 11,000 on there. I had a viral post. When I say viral, I mean 1.6 million likes. Wow. It was a complete accident. It was a fluke. But I saw the potential and I, I gained 6,000 new contacts from one post, single post. It's changed then. The algorithm is very different. But I thought there's something to this LinkedIn. So I went full time online and haven't looked back. And then last year, obviously, I think I had a bit of a premonition that maybe something was going to happen and touch wood. It's, it has been a great year in terms of business. Everyone kind of moved to online where, unfortunately, a lot of my friends in the business have been scrambling because I've got I've just spoke to a friend who's about to move back to Australia. He's from Melbourne. But he opened up two very successful uh, gyms in the city. Uh-huh. The whole business has just been decimated. So he's lost a million pound backing. It's all been gone because no one's gone back to the city. So no one there. There's no clients. The, the PT industry has been ruined. So fortunately, I, I'm lucky enough to be on an online version of what I'm doing. And that's been my journey. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. And I do think, you know, interesting because my, my entire career is in B2B. So I think we got probably got on LinkedIn about the same time. But I've been much more active probably after I started the podcast and even then was still just toying around probably for less than a year. So I'm like two years behind, I think your journey, but what I try to help, because we focus with B2B founders, right? And joining B2B business tends to be very nuanced. It's just not hire sales person and go. I mean, that's still the one-to-one and it's really hard to, to scale that way. So what I'm trying to do is bring ideas, maybe what we would say non-traditional, right? Because I think what you're doing can apply to, you know, a software business or somebody else. And, you know, recent guests, I had Marty Sanchez on and he talked about the rise of the inbound CEO, right? It's being tied to your name. There was another Irish entrepreneur that we had on and he talked about how his business, how he grew his first startup and first two startups was really talented salespeople. Now he's got like 20 content people or 30 maybe content people that's driving the inbound part of the business. And so, where I think lifestyle brands and some of these other folks, the solopreneurs, as we're still calling them that, I think they've unlocked the code a little bit of how to connect and reach with with buyers. So if you don't mind, I'd love to get maybe a little bit deeper in your recommendations, how if I'm a a startup founder, even myself selfishly, you know, what's worked for you on on LinkedIn? And I follow you, so I've got a general idea, but I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Brett, it's video and things changed for me. Like I was doing well from LinkedIn. And then I work with another coach. I mean, I've worked with a lot of coaches in the last three years, but I work with a, another specific uh, marketing and video coach. You may know her from social media, from LinkedIn, Shay Robottom. Oh, I know the name. Yeah. Okay. Well, she's got about 700,000 followers. So she's so-called, I guess she's one of the major influencers. And I worked with her. I did her six-week boot camp. And I'd already started doing video, just some basic video, but literally where you would put your phone up, and you would record your two-minute video, and then I would spend half an hour trying to put my own subtitles or captions onto it. And I saw her talking about the power of video, and I saw her what they call the cut style video, and you've probably seen some of mine where I deliver a line and it's edited, deliver a line, and so I, the only thing I have to do is remember one line. So what my video is really 40 one lines, Rather than trying to do a two-minute video where you talk about it and you go, well, the best thing for fat loss is, okay, yeah, you need to do this, where you just really, if you take away all the fluff, you've probably only got 30 seconds of information, yeah. but you've got a minute of pausing and saying this and repeating yourself again. So when you deliver the one line and then cut it, you can then put graphics in and make it very cool. So I did her six-week boot camp, and that combined with, the rest of the stuff that I was working on LinkedIn and then the pandemic, everything took off. But video is, is the way. I, and typically, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not in corporate and I've never been in corporate. The video and that style of marketing is probably more suited to, as you said, the entrepreneurial journey. But it's not really a you don't get many CEOs no. traditional business standing in front of a camera editing videos because he's got to run the company. Right. Right. But 
what Shay teaches is exactly that. If you're a CEO, if you own the company, get in front of that video, put yourself out there because you said you could be the best business in the world, but if no one knows who you are, you know, yeah. you've got to, you've got, so what we're seeing is a lot of people that traditionally wouldn't have done video thinking, ah, maybe, and maybe someone's in the late forties or fifties or sixties, they maybe think that that's not me now. I mean, that's the younger generation, but we're seeing a lot of the people that I'm in touch with now that are in their fifties and sixties and they own the company, but they're in front of the camera talking to people because people want video. They want 90 seconds and they want to see captions. I think it was 80% of people listen to videos with the sound off or rather watch videos with the sound off. So the, the subtitles have got to be there because you can be in the most boring business meeting and still be scrolling through your LinkedIn and watch <laughs> someone's video. So yeah. you, without you're missing the kick, you're missing a trick if you don't have the caption. So when I did the video, it was last, this time last year, it was May last year, mixed with other things and the pandemic, everything went through the roof. And I actually doubled business in a, in a year. But it was it was a it's a weird bit of sweet really because we were stuck in the house, couldn't go and see anyone, and a lot of my friends and a lot of my family weren't in a great position so i kind of wanted to share what i was doing but at the same time not rub it in and because people right. weren't experiencing the same as what i was so it was kind of a weird 12 months does that make sense yeah 100 percent, it yeah. does yeah and what we saw with this pandemic right there's businesses that thrived and accelerating others that well, hospitality Just, completely crashed including personal yeah. training and gyms and but interesting, a lot of restaurants figured out how to pivot a little bit and get through. And I think they're fundamentally going to look different. But yeah, to your point, there was it was almost a dividing line, unlike the yeah. financial crisis, right, where it yeah. impacted everybody. This kind of kind of split the split. It the did. Difference. It did. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just so, wanted to follow up the one thing with, cause you had mentioned that the CEOs, I thought it was I'm like, huh, that's a trend I'm seeing, but more and more, right. Of these high growth companies, their CEOs are on podcasts. They're out talking about, it. I mean, some high profile, like Richard Branson, I think his personal following is yeah. 10X of Virgin, you know, Sarah Blakely, the Spanx, her, yeah. her following is bigger. So, and I talked to some personal branding folks, right. That's it. This is it. People want to buy from a person. Well, let's face right? it. We, we follow Richard Branson. We don't follow Virgin, do we? Exactly. We follow, we follow Sarah Blakely. We don't follow Spank. Like, that's her company. But we, if you resonate with the, the, the brand owner, the business owner, you like the company. If, like, if Richard was a complete idiot, I like, I like Richard Branson. But Virgin, that doesn't mean anything to anyone. That's just an airline or a exactly. record label. or So more and more and, and it's the way the social media has gone you have to be as that brand owner that business owner you've got to be in people's faces and, and linkedin anyone that's listening if you're not on linkedin you're missing a trick because the great thing is i've done this and i've done well but there's people like shay over six hundred thousand followers all organic not one bit of paid advertising. Like you can't do that on Instagram or you can unless you're a serious influencer. You can't do that on Facebook unless you are almost like a celebrity. No one blows up, but you can you can blow up your business, not metaphorically speaking, not sure. literally. Um, and it's free. You don't have to advertise. Um, and that there's no other there's no other social media platform that compares to LinkedIn. And when Shay told me that, and she showed me the video, and I the one thing that I is in my strengths, I've got a lot of weaknesses, but one of my strengths is when I hear something and it resonates with me, I run with it. If it makes sense to me, um, I go all in to the point where I literally dropped all my other platforms. I'm on them, but I don't get any business for them. I, I went all in LinkedIn. I knew the power of it. And I just wish that people would realize because it's still got a bit of a stuffy, yeah. boring facade really, hasn't it? You know, but behind it, it's not as sexy, but it's it's a great platform to be on. So if anyone's listening and they're not, get yourself over get to there. LinkedIn. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100%. One last question until we pivot to the other side I wanted to have sure. you on the, the program, which is about fitness and wellness for entrepreneurs. But, you know, the one thing that stuck out to me and others that are kind of cutting through the noise right now mm -hmm. is you know, the transparency or being yourself or picking a side, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but do have opinions, <laughs> right? You're, you're not everybody's cup of tea and not in a negative sense, but you know, Absolutely. was it calculated from the beginning or is that something that you just said, I'm going to be me and then the business file, just I, kind of curious how you got 
Well, I use I use that that question from a personal perspective and also from a business perspective. I don't know why, but very early on, maybe it was back to my stripping days, even when I was about 15, 16, when I think about it, I, I learned very quickly that you should always be yourself. And and that's easier said than done for a lot of people. And as I said, I've never actually been employed. So maybe I would be a different, it'd be a different person if I'd been employed, like, because you can't, let's face it, when people go to work, you can be yourself to a certain extent, but you can't be entirely yourself because you've got your boss and his boss, because if you were hundred percent yourself, you'd probably get fired. Right. You know, so you've got to, you've got to put that mask on, don't you? And then you go home and you wear a different mask and then maybe you've got a different mask. So fortunately I've been in a position where I can always be myself 95% of the time, you know, but what I learned since being in business and certainly through since 2008, which is when I moved to London. So entrepreneurial endeavors in fitness and nutrition for the last 13 or 14 years. And I learned from having clients all my clients have been CEOs, the bankers, the hedge fund guys making multiple six and seven figures. When I was 100% myself, that's when I got the most clients. Because they'd come from a corporate stuffy world. And again, I'm generalizing, but they right, come from yeah. this business world. And they'd come and see me three times a week. And I'd be myself, I'd be in shorts and t shirt, I'd be having a laugh, I'd be t- making jokes. And they're like, this guy's a breath of fresh air. I'd be swearing if that was if that's my style, not, not intentionally, but yeah. if I wanted to, I wouldn't pretend, right, okay, I'm speaking to a CEO of a billion-dollar company. I better pretend to be this person. And I realized these men and women were prepared to pay good money to want to be around someone that was fun to be with, that could be themselves, and they it got them out of the office and they could be themselves as well. So I learned very quickly that being yourself as much as you can. So when I thought, well, okay, how am I going to transfer this over into business? And if you've seen some of my videos, anyone sees them, they'll say, I'm always pushing it. Like I'm not intentionally trying to piss people off, but I'll say something that will get conversation going. I've got opinions and I'll, I'll believe it. If it doesn't hurt someone, I'm going to say, this is what I believe to be true. You can like it or dislike it. You can agree with me or not agree with me. We can still be friends, but right. I'm not going to just, I'm not going to sit there and put a nice comment and say, oh, I 100% agree with you and then get offline and go, that guy's talking a load of rubbish. I won't intentionally go on and say, you're talking rubbish, but I'm going to, in my message, I'm going to say exactly what I think. And we said off camera, it's going to attract the people that resonate with my message. And it's also going to repel the people like for all the people that enjoy my video, my styles, I reckon there's equal, if not more, that people think that I'm an idiot and should shut my face. And that's absolutely fine because again, what I've learned from all the top, and I hate the word influencers, but they are, I don't like that word itself. The people that are doing well and successful in, entrepreneurial and and business and even the guys in fitness that I, I look aspire to be like I've learned that they've all got a very strong message they're not vanilla they're there they've maybe whether it's been intentional or unintentional they've definitely gone down a certain path and said this is who I'm going to be and just to pull it back to LinkedIn I don't know if you've seen any of my posts where I, I take the mickey out of vegans I don't know if you've seen any of that. I've, <laughs> right, I've got nothing wrong with vegans. I've got yeah. no problem with vegans. But I realized it was a bit of a bone of contention with some people. I realized, and I purposely thought, you know, who can I pick on? Because, <laughs> because most most of the world are meat eaters. 87% of the world eat meat. 13% are vegetarian or vegan. So if I say that I'm kind of, oh, bloody hell, vegan and, and make a joke, it's going to annoy them, but it's also going to get 80% of the people that, yay, pro meat, you know? Right. <laughs> and I, I don't actually care. I actually admire their stance on not eating animals. Like the meat industry, you know, leaves a lot to be desired. Let's be honest. Sure. Um, so I admire their morals, but I thought, let's go down and be this anti-vegan guy. Now I get people emailing me saying, Gav, why, is it, why do you hate vegans so much? It's become this bit of a joke. Um, and I like to put in the old swear word where a couple of people have emailed me and said, Oh, you're like the Gordon Ramsay of fitness. And I thought, hang on, there's something there. I didn't intentionally do that, but now people are starting to say, 
there's that guy that is like Gordon Ramsay, but in fitness. So maybe I made my videos, maybe I'll put the odd F-bomb or something there that maybe I wouldn't have done beforehand, but now it's it's almost like branding myself. That makes sense? Yeah, no, 100%. Um, so some of it was intentional in terms of being myself. And then as I've grown on LinkedIn, it's probably gone up from 20,000 to, to 35 in the last year. Um, I've just got to be more of that, more of me. And I'm quite enjoying it. And it's not really too much of a caricature away from my normal personality anyway. So um, I'm being true to myself. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great lesson. I shared a little bit offline, right? You're so right on the corporate side because you can't, you can be yourself, but yet it's got to be confined to the team Absolutely. and the corporate and the role. And where I'm, I can be super opinionated. I've got strong feelings on right how to grow a business, and these are the things. This is definitely doesn't work, but maybe I've been more conditioned to take, as you said, the vanilla approach and just say, "Hey, here's what works." Where if I get one on one, I'm definitely much more in, engaged yeah. with, "Hey, this is you can go that path, but it's probably not going to work." And so it's something I can work on listening and look to following your lead to say, "Hey, if you believe it, just get it out there." Right? It's okay it. if not everybody buys in so i'm That's working it. on that <laughs> I, I think i think a lot of people are scared because what i very quickly realize is that I'll, i write the videos when i write the scripts for the videos i think what, what do the clients want to hear what message can i give them what's going to hook them in to then come and look at my stuff but also what do i enjoy and you know i have fun with it i actually when i'm writing the scripts i'm like i'm laughing at my own joke i'm putting this in thinking this is funny and i'm not what i when i post i don't go i wonder who will like this and i wonder who won't if i like it and i enjoyed it i'll post it some of them work really well some of them fall on deaf ears but I think, going back to my point, I think a lot of people are scared because they want this perfect post. The wording's got to be perfect. They're worried about where it's going to fall. Is this going to upset someone? You've got If you've got a message and you believe in your product or your service or your business or your coaching or whatever you're trying to sell, B2B or even B2C, you know, get it out there. Because if it's the message that that person wants to hear, you're going to, that person's going to pick up on it. They're going to resonate. It It doesn't matter if 10 people like the video, if 10 people became clients, that's worth a lot of money to you. Like you, a thousand people might see the video, but if it's just vanilla and people are like, well, that's not going to, there's no call to action. I don't resonate with that. That was just a nice video. I'll click like, or I'll scroll by. It's better to have less that people that really, this guy is talking to me. So, um, the message is just get whatever message you've got out there and don't worry about who you're going to upset or who, who's going to follow you because it will naturally, it's almost like a natural selection. Yeah. No, it does self filter, right? You don't have to worry yeah, about qualification. They'll, they'll nail it out. And no. you know, again, having a hundred, right. Very much folks that enjoy what you're doing, believe in what you're doing versus a thousand are just sitting on the fence yeah. or like to your point, hundred percent. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's good. Maybe I'll take that's it. note of something, but it's just uh, that's it. It's gone, it's and, and especially gone. now we're we're all, we're bombarded, aren't we? We've got how many platforms are there? I mean, we've just got hundreds of notifications nonstop. So you need something that's going to pop up that someone's going to see. So people need to get on video. Video is the way forward for sure. Yeah, no, I'm with you, and I'm getting there. So I'll I'll check in with you and let you know on my progress heading the other yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But but this may be a good pivot point because originally when I reached out and saw what your fitness and your methodology was, you know, one of the things you know I talked to founders about is the balance, right? I mean, the the culture was, hey, I run a startup, I gotta work 20 hours and not eat like crap and gain yeah. weight. And I think what the science is telling us is, you know, balance, right? You get to sleep, you eat right, keep the weight off, those types of things. And like I said, your approach obviously resonated with me because we're talking, but, you know, and, and you wrote a book, which I thoroughly enjoyed and we can, we can get to that, you know, at the end of the thing as well, but, you know, from a founder. So maybe we start with founders, right? Entrepreneurs or just about anybody, right? Yeah. The, the approach to fitness and why you think it's important. And then I do want to dig into kind of your recommendations on how to get started. Cause I think there's some really good beyond steps approaches. Absolutely. Well, uh, most of the clients I work with and most people that I meet, if they get to say their late forties, early fifties, and they've neglected their health, which a lot of people do, especially if they're, they're doing well in corporate or an entrepreneur that a lot of people going through the system almost where 
not looking after the health as like a badge of honor, certainly in the city where I come from, where the, the drinking and the drug taking and the staying out late at night and spending huge amounts of money on accounts, although it's not as bad as it was before, you know, like in the 90s or the early 2000s, people neglect their health. And somewhere along the lines, people just seem to miss the fact that if they took care of their health, if they lost weight, their mind is connected to their body. So a lot of entrepreneurs like at the desk, you say 18 hours a day, catching four or five hours sleep and doing it again. If they actually took one hour a day or even half an hour a day out of their day to eat some quality food and move their body, the hours that they're awake, they would actually be way more productive. So it's almost counterintuitive. It's like grind, grind, grind. That's not the way. Right. So very often I work with clients that have maybe put that extra 40, 50, 60 pounds, sometimes a lot more, and they want to shift it. And, you know, life, life's not so great. They've got poor energy. You know, they're not sleeping well. They've got no energy to play with the kids at the weekend. So they come to me and they say, what can I do? And they've, many have that misconception that when I say to most people, you know, diet and losing weight, they think five hours in the gym and they think eating rabbit food. Right. He's gonna make he's gonna make me eat vegetables and salad and no carbs, no bread. You're gonna have to eliminate all alcohol and in bed at nine o'clock every you know, all of that's important, but it's not sustainable. And it, to go from not being like that to being like a almost like a fitness competitor is not gonna work for most people in a busy job with a couple of kids and travel. So we've got to find the balance. And my whole philosophy is educating people around the myths that are perpetuated in fitness and partly we're to blame the industry is to blame but more so like bodybuilders from the 90s and 2000s that we learned from prepping their food and meals and the chicken and broccoli crew and cutting all fat out and cutting carbs and a lot of the industry has perpetuated down it's it's fallen across into a lot of the myths that people believe so i just basically tell it like it is and we really need to track the calories to really help someone lose body fat they need to know what they're consuming and i've never met any clients ask a simple question when i have a, a call with a client and when we when they join the program and i say to them do you know the amount of calories that are in a gram of protein fat and carbs and that's almost like if you know anything about money, if I said to you, Brett, what's the value of $1? You would know it's, okay, it's 100 cents, right? We know what a dollar is. It can buy you half a cup of coffee from a lousy coffee shop, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> that, it's not $6 from Starbucks, yeah? But yeah. the point is, very educated people that are doing extremely well in life don't know the, the mere basics about nutrition. Like I said to most people, what, how many grams of, how many calories in a gram of protein? And they're like, I've literally got no clue. So when you think about it, if I said to you, I want you to save 10 grand as quickly as you can, yet you didn't know what $1 was, and you didn't know how much money you had coming into your account, and you had no idea the money going out of your account, like mortgage or health payments or car payments or kids or anything, how the hell does anyone lose weight? Right. And this is why most people lose weight, then they put it back on again, then they get fatter, then they lose a bit of weight. And most people are struggling. And, and I hate to say it, particularly America, like the food over there is the portion size is just that mixed with a little bit of education. But Americans are no less educated around nutrition than the rest of the world. You know, it's just the food choices over there that tends to cause a lot of the obesity. So most people don't have a clue about nutrition. So I just teach them the basics. I said, look, we need to know the value of what you're taking in one the quality of the food you're putting in we want to have a good quality source of calories but also we need to know them the actual like the, the equivalent to the monetary value you know how many calories what is a calorie how does it affect the body when we know that as long as we burn more calories than we're taking in we create what's called a calorie deficit this is your metabolism and all the exercise you do each day if you burn more than you take in you have to lose weight. Now, really? someone says, well, I'm eating healthy. I'm going to the gym. I'm not losing weight. And I say to them, that might be true, but you're, you're not in a calorie deficit. Though I am. I must be. Well, you're not. Because if you were, you, you would lose weight. weight. Now, I, did, I didn't make that up. It's a law. It's like gravity. Like, we can argue with it. But if you jump off a building, you're going down. There's no, I don't care if you believe in it or not. It's going to end badly. <laughs> exactly. right? 
And so if you're not losing weight, somewhere along the lines, that equation isn't balanced. So when we teach the basics, when I teach my clients, they're like, so you're not going to give me a special diet. You're not going to call it something. It's not this eat special foods. It's simply controlling the calories against the calories we burn. Now, we may, for most people, probably reduce carbohydrates as a given. And again, for most people, we're probably going to increase protein levels. But apart from that, as long as we control this number and have an idea of this number, we can start to help someone get into that calorie deficit. They start to lose weight. It really is that simple. Now, mechanically, it's simple. Psychologically, that's what it executes. Like information versus application, isn't it? Yeah. And before we get to the, the execution, I think your why question is so important. It's just a life question, but we'll get that to in a second, because I think if you, you talk about in the book, the 80-20 rule, right? So if you just do 80% yeah. of the stuff, you're going to lose weight. So calories in, calories out. And if you ate nothing but Snicker bars and peanut M&Ms, but ate less than you were burnt, you're gonna, you may not be losing the right weight, but you're going to lose weight, right? Absolutely. And again, this is the, the bone of contention that there's two sort of schools of thought within nutrition there's the calories in calories out which is the truth and that's non-negotiable millions of studies to show that against the people that think hormones are responsible for fat loss and i'll explain the difference when i you give a great example there you could eat snickers let's say someone's metabolism was 1800 calories a day um, and they eat 1500 calories and it's pure snickers so what that's that's probably five four or five snicker bars a day that's it right? Um, awful calories fat sugar no fiber no satiety you're going to be hungry you're going to be irritable you know your skin's going to be terrible but if you're burning more you'll lose weight now that's a fact you're probably going to lose a bit of muscle as well as fat and your energy is going to be horrendous, but you're in a deficit. You, it's just like you can't gain weight if you're burning more than you're taking in. You just can't. Now, the hormone crowd, they believe that insulin, which is a fat storage hormone, and this is where it gets a bit tricky, that insulin, as you, you probably know and some of the listeners may know, is the hormone that's released by the pancreas whenever we eat food. So whenever we eat any food, the blood sugar will go up to a certain extent. Now, to combat that blood sugar, pancreas releases insulin because it wants the blood sugar out of the blood to stabilize. So you get a, a very slow release of energy. Now, what happens when we've had like cake or a cookie or a donut? You get that massive spike. Right. Now, problem is insulin's too good at its job. So what happens, it brings it back down again. But rather than bringing it back to normal, you very often get this crash. So you go what we call hypoglycemic, which is where you get that low energy, you start to sweat a little bit. So what happens, it tells your body to eat more sugar. So you get someone on this constant yo-yo or um, roller coaster ride of yeah. high energy, low energy. Now, insulin is also a fat storage hormone. So their argument is, if you're releasing insulin every time you have sugar, that's going to drive fat storage. Now it does, but only if you're in a surplus. So five Snicker bars a day would be like little insulin bombs going off in your body. If you have a Snickers, insulin's going to go up, but you might do that four or five times. But it's irrelevant because the overall calories for the day will trump yeah. the actual whether you're going to gain fat or lose fat. Does that make sense? So insulin, uh, no, 100%, although, yeah. although it does help to gain body fat, it's irrelevant because it's trumped by the total calories for the day. If you're in a deficit, you can't get fat. So is it healthy? Now, that 1,500-calorie day diet or Snickers is a, is a one-way ticket for diabetes. Absolutely. From a health perspective, your blood sugar up and down, insulin, 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 you're going to cause your pancreas to maybe give in, become diabetic, insulin resistant. Sure, it's not healthy. But can you get fat? No, because you're in a calorie deficit. And these guys are adamant that the hormones are responsible and the calories in, calories out, which is why I prescribe to. Uh, we know the truth. They're talking rubbish. Yeah, no, and I'm with you. It took me a while because then even because I started thinking about, again, you've done a hell of a lot more research than I had, the fasting aspect. And like part of that is the fasting probably works. But still in that 24-hour period, you're eating X number of calories versus what you're burning. And, and again, it's still the, the deficit, right? Certainly, Brett, Brett you, can, you, could get, you could gain weight doing intermittent fasting. Let's say someone doesn't – the 16-8 is the typical scenario where you don't eat for 16 hours and then eat all your food within that 12-hour window – sorry, 8-hour window. So let's say you 
finish dinner at 8 p.m. You would then eat again. What would that be? 12, 12 the next day. Right. So you'd have your breakfast, lunch, and dinner between 12 and 8 p.m. If you eat 5,000 calories in an eight-hour period, you're going to get fat. It doesn't matter if you've not eaten for six hours, 16 hours. So there's nothing magical about fasting. It, it can, it's great for digestion as it gives the body, a, uh, helps your body relax. It's, it can be a really important or a useful method if someone is hard controlling the calories because you effectively miss breakfast. So if it enables someone to get into a calorie deficit by missing breakfast, then they'll lose weight, but they only lost weight because they're in a calorie deficit, not because they were fasting. Does that, right. make, does that make sense? Yeah, 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 100%. And, you know, I think that, it, again, start with the basics. If you're overweight, take off the weight <laughs> deficit and then get more smart about the proteins if you want to put on some muscle. and Absolutely, yeah. And but if someone's really overweight, they just want to control the calories, start to lose a little bit of weight, and macros are largely irrelevant. Maybe increase the protein, but control the calories. Get in that deficit. That is the ticket to weight loss. Now, a lot of clients think, well, it can't be that easy. Well, it is that easy. It's simple, but it's, it's hard in execution, the psychological aspect, because you still have to not eat the food. And for someone that struggles with food and maybe uses food as a, an emotional crutch, for whatever reason, like many people, um, it can be very hard. It's like saying a drug addict, just have a little bit of cocaine today, <laughs> not the full amount. It's the only drug that I know where you have to have some of it to stay alive. Yeah, now 100% with you. And your book, highly recommend people check out your book. And I know we're getting short on time. Do you have time oh, for one more question? I have, yes. There's the book, if you want to mention yes. that, I'd appreciate that. Yeah, The GHD Method. Thank you very much. It's yeah. a great read. And it gets into your entrepreneurial journey a little bit as well, which is cool, which is how I came up with the stripper and the blind date. Yeah. But, but I think the biggest thing in which I've been focused on pretty much the last 12 to 18 months is the why, right? Why are you in business? Why is your company in business? Why do you want to lose weight? And unless you have a reason, right, you're not going to lose weight, right? People can say it's important, but unless there is, and you detail a really good approach to goal plan act that yeah. type of thing so maybe just spend a minute touching on on that uh, aspect of it absolutely and i'll use the, the example of losing weight but it works for anything building business or company making money when someone if i was to ask the question to 100 people do you want to lose weight probably 98 of them would put their hand up one way or another but when it comes down to it like if someone says yeah i want to lose a few pounds before the summer that's a whim isn't it like and if they lose it, great. If they don't, yeah, I'm okay. That doesn't matter. That's not a reason why. Things are going to go wrong. Things are going to go be tough. Things aren't going to work. It's going to be hard. Losing weight, putting all that weight on, to lose 20 or 30 pounds is going to be a, a big psychological shift and a physical shift for a lot of people. Right. So unless they've got a massive reason why, and I've, funny enough, I've recorded a video just before we came on about why motivation is overrated. People think, I, I just, I know what to do. I just need to be motivated. Motivation will get people started. But what gets them to the finish line is the reason why. And a reason why is I can't bend down and tie my shoelaces up. My knees hurt. I've got no energy to play with the kids. I haven't had sex with a wife for a year. That's the reason why. Or I've just been diagnosed diabetic. I want to get off my cholesterol medication. I'm wearing suits, like four sizes bigger than I did when I'm in my 20s. There's a real reason why. When someone gives me those reasons and they want to say, my life is being severely impacted by my energy and the way I feel about myself, my self-image is terrible, my self-esteem, I've lost confidence. Unless they've got a real reason why, they won't get to the end of the 12-week program because motivation is high when things in life are going well. When the sun's shining, the boss is being cool, got a pay rise, you've managed to get your food, there's no traffic, motivation's high. You come back, you're in a good mood, you get to the gym. Let's say your boss is being an absolute, I won't mention the word, you've left your lunch at home, you're stuck in a two-hour traffic jam, you break down, you've had an argument with your wife or your husband. The chances of you going to the gym and feeling motivated <laughs> are going to be diminished. Right. But if you've got a burning reason why, you know what, regardless of what's gone on, I'm still going to make my very best effort to get to the gym. And also it's about making a decision. Like when I see people that are really, really overweight and the ones that lose 30, 40, 50 pounds on my program, and some do, they're the ones that have said, you know what, I'm going to make a decision. I've determined this is not me anymore. 
Now, I don't care if it's raining or snowing or hailing or there's a pandemic. I'm going to get out and do that run tomorrow. It doesn't care. I don't care if I'm tired. I don't care if I've got my food. It's going to happen. So when someone makes a decision and says, you know what, I'm not going to be that person anymore. I'm going in this direction. That, coupled with a reason why, they're the people that lose 30 pounds. The ones that haven't said that. The worst result I've had on my program in the last three years is 15 pounds. So everyone gets results because I tap into their head. I get the first module that we do, we establish their why. Yeah. They, I actually get them to email me and say, where are you going to be in three months' time? Tell me your why, and we're going to focus on that. And when someone hasn't got a why, they're the ones that don't do as well as the ones that have got that burning reason why to, to succeed. Same in money, same in business, same in any walk of life. Yeah, that's so good. And just one follow-up to your book, the, your, your actual giveaways, right? The, yes. the follow-on tools are almost as valuable, if not more valuable than what was in the Brilliant. book. So yeah. I didn't even know I was getting those when I when I bought the book. So it, it's yeah. helpful, the cheat sheets and, and some of that. It's You make it easy. I mean, again, you still have to have the why, but when, if you're committed and you really think you want to do this, Gab is, is, is your guy. So, and I know no, I've taken that, a ton of your time today. So if folks want to connect with you, obviously LinkedIn sounds like your preferred platform. What's the best way do people get you? Gab Gillibrand on LinkedIn. Gabgillibrand.com is the best place to get me. So those two, if they go to the website, they can sign up for my newsletter. I, I write about three or four emails a week and try and not bore people too much. But if they want to engage from a social media perspective linkedin is by far i'm on facebook and instagram but i don't do anything on there yeah. uh, linkedin come and find me on there we can chat and take it from there yeah watch a few of his videos and you'll know if it's somebody you want to work with but i find or, entertaining and, and you either what you want to work with me or you'll like i'm never going to watch that guy again and take, that's okay exactly so so appreciate it. And one last time, if you have the book there, show us the book, the, you know, the GHG method. Again, it cuts, as you said, the BS, it cuts through the crap and said, hey, if you want to lose weight, this is, you can get super fancy in the end, but man, after you hit the 80, 20 or 90, 10, then you can, you can take it to the, to the next level. That's so it, yeah, it was awesome. You, so Gav, I really appreciate the time today. We may have to have you on for a part two at some point to go deeper Please. into some of the wellness because I know we covered a lot today. But yeah, absolutely. More than more than happy. Yeah. It was awesome. Thank you very much. Great. Have a great rest of your day. We'll have everything in the show notes for folks and we'll catch up with you soon. Awesome. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Sam. 